Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. With the third pick in the 2019 NBA Draft, the New York Knicks select R.J. Barrett. take us through our feelings and to take us through some numbers it's been what 48 hours i don't even i don't even know exactly how long it's been since the draft but i've been processing it i haven't written anything it's all in my head but the words are are in my head so you know there's a lot that happened on draft night and we're gonna talk about it here on this pod i'm gonna write about it i'm gonna take some questions on twitter eventually this weekend I know we've all been through a lot. We're here to separate what happened from how it happened, because that's an important distinction. And here to help me straighten out what the fuck exactly went on during the draft is none other than Tyrese. You can find him on Twitter, at London's Theory. Tyrese, how's it going? Calm your mind. Calm your minds. There you go. Listen to the soothing sounds of President Tyrese break down a chaotic draft night. Before we get started, I do have to make an announcement that the Strickland has a Patreon. You can subscribe to it. There's a number of tiers. There's a $6 tier that gets you access to Pod Strickland every Friday. This pod right here that I do with Prez, even though this is going to be coming out on like a Wednesday. Who cares? Uh, yeah, you get access to this pod every week. Uh, you also get access to the mailbag hosted by Drew Steele. Uh, that also comes out every other week. Uh, excellent, excellent mailbag. Maybe most importantly, you get access to the Strickland Discord where the conversation never stops. It certainly hasn't stopped today for reasons we will discuss as we get into the pod. There's a further tier. There's a $9 tier that gets you access to Strickland Roll, my solo pod, where I rant, yell, and rave about the Knicks even more. You also get access to wonderful weekly articles by Jack Huntley and Matthew Miranda, two of the absolute best in the business there's further tiers there's a 15 dollars tier 30 dollars tier 50 dollars tier and 100 dollars tier those come with a variety of additional benefits like live watch parties merchandise discounts listening in on pod recordings and even potentially co-hosting a podcast alongside yours truly whether you choose to subscribe or not none of this would be possible without you so without further ado let's get started yeah i mean we'll get we'll get into what exact or we'll get into the how because it was just like peak chaos and like even thinking about rewatching parts of that live stream we have stresses me out like literally we like we <laughs> saw the j the dirt like they heard okay if durin is on the board the knicks get ivy and then it went to like oh the knicks traded for durin so we were like oh we're gonna get ivy and then they were like oh no we're not getting ivy and they got durin kemba's also in the deal and then it took like an hour and a half for the picks to come out so we didn't know what happened 
And then yeah. what when leak first was the trade to Charlotte. And that was the worst part because, like, they were like, "Okay, wait, what happened to?" We didn't have all the details of yeah. either deal, so but let's so like, let's put a put yeah. let's put a pin in that first. First, I want to actually recap like where the Knicks are in terms of what we have right now. So, um, first, let's we'll do high level, and then we'll get into a little bit more detail. So, I'm pretty sure this is correct, and you can uh, feel free to jump in if I misstate anything. So, <clears throat> the Knicks traded the eleventh pick. It was Jang, but it was the 11th pick. Kemba Walker, RIP. And four second-round picks. I don't know which, but whatever. For now, just four second-round picks. And the Oklahoma City uh, 2023 first from Denver for $13 million in cap space, a Milwaukee first-round pick in 2025, Washington Wizards first round pick in 2023 and a Detroit first round pick in 2023. And we'll get into the protections and all of that. So really, uh, they traded four seconds in Kemba and the 11th and one other pick for three picks. So it was really a net of uh, two firsts. And um, I would argue, and we'll get into it, that the quality of the firsts is actually improved as well, which is rare for uh, usually when you kick the can down the road as far as firsts, there's a good chance that, you know, some of the firsts become worse, the protections become looser or something like that. So um, that's not an insignificant haul, um, especially the first half of the deal where it was just 11 for, if you wanted to break it into two transactions, it was basically 11 for three of the firsts. And then the second transaction was um, Kemba and switching one first for a better first. Um, So, and four second round picks. So the moving Kemba didn't, it didn't cost a first round pick. I see some people on Twitter saying that um, they actually upgraded their first round pick in that. And it cost four seconds, which Kevin Porter Jr. cost the Cavs four seconds. So it's it's not nothing. And it's kind of annoying that they had to do that to move off of Kemba. But it's also not a ton that I'm worried about because we've actually seen no hyperbole Brock Aller turn no things into second round picks. So uh they're pretty good at finding seconds when they have to. So what do you make of that haul? And then we can talk about like the actual quality of the firsts. I thought the haul was good. Like I said it on the live stream. I was like, if they get two first round picks, I'm a little skeptical. If they get three, I'm in. And they got three. Um, I've seen people say that, oh, the first won't convey at any point. They're just going to become second-round picks. And I want y'all to be perfectly honest with yourself and tell me right now. Uh, we can go to the protectors if we want to. But, yeah, uh, yeah, so yeah I, I, I think we should because, yeah. so, because like, that's, that is an important distinction, right? Like, if these are all firsts that never convey, then that's kind of trash. And, I'll, you know, I'll be looking sideways at the, the treasure hall here. So, um Let's see here. The first from Detroit. Detroit is 
top 18 protected the next two years. So top, top 18 protected. protected means basically if they don't make the playoffs for the most they part, they get, they get it. Pick. They so basically one to 18. Like, yeah. If the pick year, is 19 and further, the Knicks, it would be the next pick. Yeah. And then in 2025, it becomes one to 13. So they can make the playoffs and still, uh, if they like just missed the playoffs or something, kind of like the yeah. Knicks, almost like the Knicks did this yeah, year. Yeah, it's like what they did in 2018 when they got Blake Griffin, but like they were the 14th pick. Mm-hmm. That then, would convey to the Knicks. And then, critically, so that's 2020, uh, 2025, 1 to 13, 1 to 11, 2026, 1 to 9, 2027. Um, and then if it still hasn't conveyed, then it will turn to second round picks. But because the the first round protections extend so far and shrink over time. This is probably going to convey at some point as a first, um, yeah. basically, I don't know, something will have to have gone drastically awry for the Pistons. Like, Cave which... would have to like tear his ACL back to back years. Jalen and <laughs> Ivy would basically have to bust out of the league and Jalen Duran would have to like be like Jericho Sims, dark skin Jericho Sims. And like with no offensive game, like, if you're if you think somehow that the Pistons will not make the playoffs in the next five years, and even they don't even need to make the playoffs, they just need to like be. If you think they're not even gonna scratch the play in in the next five years with Cade and Jaden Ivey, then I don't know what to tell you. Cade, yeah. Jaden Ivey, and a max slot, which is probably gonna be like either Aiden or Bridges. Yeah, or someone else down the line. Who knows? And like they ended last year pretty strongly. Um, they got good coaching. They have, you know, they were bad, but they weren't like shameless tanking. Like they were trying to compete. And by the end of the year, they weren't a, what do you call it? Like a walkover, um, easy victory for, uh, I mean, they were for like some teams, I'm sure like the Warriors or whatever, but yeah, like, but Sadiq Bay was wetting them up with 50 points. Sadiq Bay was out here dropping 50. Hami Diallo was hooping. Isaiah Stewart yeah. finally, um, began, you know, it takes a while for, for, uh, for centers to get it on defense. So like their whole team defense began to improve. So, you know, I'm not saying they're going to be like the sixth seed next year, but they'll probably be better sooner rather than later. Um, especially with the core they have, if all you got to do is add in some, some vets and bank on some natural development and, and they'll be solid um, sooner rather than later. And, you know, people might say like, Oh, those protection, like it'll convey, but it's so far out. And, to me that it doesn't it does matter right like to but it matters mostly for the sake of the discussion of the 2023 draft so the 2023 draft for people who don't know next year's draft is a lot stronger than this year's draft um this year didn't have any transformational you know zion luca type players next year has at least two and next year probably has anywhere from 3 to 5 guys in the Chet, Paolo, Jabari kind of level. And like, then to put it in layman's terms, this year's draft was the Ginyu Force. Next year's draft is <laughs> that's like not layman terms at all. That's cold. that's <laughs> Otaku's terms. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. This year's draft is the Ginyu Force. Next year's draft is like the Z Fighters. And I'm talking about like the cell game Z Fighters where like Do you think Alan Hahn is like, Oh yeah, the Z Fighters, of course. Like nobody knows except for <laughs> actually I wonder how much of our audience, probably us 
probably more than I think understands that reference. So there's no maybe, way maybe like it is at least half now. half this audience at least knows what I'm talking about with Dragon Ball Z. And if you That's don't, true. come on. Like we're That's all New true. Yorkers here, please. That's true. That's fair. Um but yeah, so like the 2023 draft is super stacked. Um, there's four or five guys separate from the five or six guys I already talked about who are probably in the Jaden Ivy kind of tier. And then in the like, quote unquote, like Keegan Murray Matherin tier, like Keegan and Matherin went four and six. And in next year's draft, they would probably be like legitimately like no higher than 11, yeah. maybe 12, 13, 14, 15. Yeah, so they're late lottery. So there's definitely like uh like if you want to talk about like well like we can't even use these picks in 2023 because they probably won't convey in 2023. That's, that's fair. That's that's totally fair. But ex- exactly like different picks have different purposes, right? And we saw that uh on some level with the Cam Reddish deal where um it was pretty protected. I forget what the protections were, but it was still perfectly uh, fine as far as trade bait goes. So yeah. It's very rare to deal totally unprotected first round picks. So like if you know, if you hear all the protections and you're it makes you feel like nervous about the quality of the picks as an asset, I really wouldn't because unless the protections are truly bad, like top like top like what you're worried about is the ones that are like protected and then like immediately turn to seconds if like they don't convey in like a year or two or something like that. And the protections are, you know, you know, the team is tanking or something like that, like really, right. really bad situation. So um, it's a pretty good, that one, the 2023 first from Detroit is a pretty good asset. So now uh, the next one is 2023 first from Washington, which is protected one to 14 next year. So basically, uh, Again, if the Wizards don't make the playoffs, if the Wizards make the playoffs, then it probably conveys. The Wizards can miss the playoffs, and it could still convey, depending on how good they are. But if they're uh, bad, no, 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 that's one to fourteen protection. Oh, one so to like fourteen. If, got it. If got they it. Miss, if they if they miss the playoffs, they don't. We don't get it. Okay, so one to fourteen. So it, that just flips on you know whether they make the playoffs or not, and then the year after that, one to twelve. The year after that, one to ten. The year after that, one to eight. And then, if it's twenty twenty six and it's, the Wizards still haven't conveyed it, then it becomes second. So this yeah. is similar to the last one, where like the protections extend out pretty far. So it's almost certainly going to convey at some point in the next couple of years, unless the Wizards are one of the eight worst teams in the league for like three or four and years. And they were, and they were tenth. This year with Bradley Beal missing like half the season, and that's yeah. like before they got Porzingis, and potentially might get Tyus Jones or Malcolm Brogdon. So and, and they got Johnny, who's and you know we can talk about like player eval stuff a little bit later, but like he's legit. It was a great pick for them. Um, they're probably going to get a point guard. If I had to guess, I'd say they're probably going to get Brogdon. Um, yeah, because yeah. they legit like their roster is just very unbalanced. Like they actually have. To me, like, as far as non-title contending, like, you know, show up, give teams a headache, whatever. Like, they actually have an okay roster. They just have no ball handling aside from Beal. Like, I don't even know who's penciled in to be their point guard next year. It's because... Ish Smith. Ish Smith. Is that it? Do they only have one under? 
I think it's my. I think it's actually just like Ishmael. I'm looking it up right now, because I should know because I'm here in DC. But <laughs> like Kuzma was basically there. Oh, yeah, Raul, yeah. Raul uh, Neto. Neto. The fact that we forgot him should tell you like how bad their point guard. And Thomas Sataransky is signing to play he's... with Rokas, so he's out. Oh uh, yeah. Um. So yeah, they are. I don't know who else would be on the table for them. Um, aside from, yeah, I mean, Ishmith is fine as a backup, so they really just need a starter. So I mean, the 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 fit even with the injury is just too good. So I, I'm assuming they would pony up something for Brogdon, not a first because that's not what his value is. Despite what the Pacers water carriers all over the national media. Molly, get tell over. Molly, get over. I know. It was a, that, that was a that weird was, time. That was a nasty, nasty display of CAA influence from... Is he CAA? I'm pretty sure, like, yeah, Brockton CAA. I think what was the CAA as well. Like, it was just nasty. I'm, oh, my God, it was nasty. What other point guards are available? I'm just pulling it up real quick. Yeah, Tyus, Brockton. Oh, Tyus would be a, a solid fit for them. Yeah, I, I think Tyus probably... Him. I think he's going to Washington. Rubio I, 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 is, like, a worst-case... You know, so there's guys, right? Like Rubio and like breaking case. They could try to trade for Sexton. So there's is, a couple yeah. of yeah, like they got couple options. of options there. They could sign Alfred Payton. Also, let's add know. like if they have to trade for, if they have to trade for Sexton, that means they take the protections off the pick and the pick becomes unprotected. So, Wait, explain that again. I don't. I don't. Have... Uh, so say if they trade for Sexton, right? Mm-hmm. You would assume a, a first probably goes back in that deal because like the Wizards yeah. really don't have a lot of like good players on their team, good young players, let's say. So I would assume they probably unprotect the the pick from us. Like they they protect their they unprotect their twenty twenty three pick, which means that mm-hmm. it becomes unprotected, and we would just have it next year, no conditions. But why would they do that? So they can trade their twenty twenty five first if they wanted to. Oh, I see, I see. Um, I got it. So cool. there's a very there's a very rich like the Wizards pick might just be unprotected if they go for mm-hmm. like a Sexton or something. But I don't think they go for Sexton. I think they probably go for um. Brogdon or Brun- um Jones or Jones, so. yeah, or Kyrie. Who knows? Him and Beal, they'd probably get along. <laughs> um, all anti-vaxxing you, they probably would. <laughs> but, all anti-vaxxing, exactly. Um, so yeah, there's you know once once the Wizards get a point guard, pick whoever, then you know they have Beal, they have like a zillion wings, they have Gafford and Przingis. That's a pretty solid, um, big man duo. Mm-hmm. Um, even if Thomas Bryant leaves, like Gafford is very good as backup. KP can obviously spread the floor. They still have Kuzma and Rui and Denny and KCP and Kisper. So they got a lot of wings who can do different things. Um, so I'm not really worried about, you know, I'm not saying they're going to fucking be the three seed or something, but like that pick is going to convey at some point, probably both sooner rather are. than later. Yeah, like both of them are. I, I would assume if I were to like, not put money on it, but put money on it. Like, mm-hmm. I would say the Wizards pick probably conveys in 2024. And I think the Detroit pick might convey in 2026. Yeah, and then so, we also... The other yeah. pick that we have is... Milwaukee, uh, 2025. Milwaukee 2025. Why is that not on... Uh... I don't think real GM has. I got it. I got it for you. I know you got so, it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. it's top four, right? Yeah, it's, pro, it's uh top four protected. Is there anything after that, or is it like? 
Uh, so it was top four protected and protected fifteen to thirty in this year's draft, and now it's a twenty twenty five first round protected pick, top four. Just that's it. And if it doesn't convey, then it's twenty twenty six second round pick, twenty twenty seven second round pick. So unless Giannis falls off a cliff and his ACL is broken, and like Chris Middleton can't dribble. And Drew Holiday is like playing like it's last year's semifinals against the um the Nets. We're getting the pick in twenty twenty five. Yeah, because they only get it if it's top four. Yeah, it's it's either it's top four or it's the next pick. Okay. Yeah, so that's that's the three things they got, and they so they had another first one right from uh Oklahoma City's. 2023 first which was from denver which was top 14 protected protected but that's the one that they exchanged for the milwaukee one so if and to me that's a that's an upgrade because denver i don't know what the protections are extended out for that one but for Uh, next year 2023-2025 okay so that one for next year at least it's top 14 so pretty much like yeah, it wasn't going to convey next year. It, no, or, uh, or sorry, it, it was going to convey. It was next going year. to because they're going to make the playoffs. Yeah, they're going to make the playoffs. Yeah, and the Milwaukee one is like you were saying; it's for sure going to convey. Um, yeah, but it has but the potential gonna... of being a little bit better because the protections are only top four, and with Giannis, even if everything goes wrong, you're probably not going to be a uh, picking in the top four spots. So you're talking about couple years down the line, Chris and Drew are well past 30 at that point. There's a million things that can happen. The Bucks can reload and work some magic, right? It's hard to project, but I I think that's a pick upgrade personally. Um, just because top four protected is pretty much that's like as low as you get. That's like as close yeah. as you get to it's basically unless they years. unless they jump into the top four, the Knicks would get the pick. Because you yeah. can't like get you can't get to five now anymore. Yeah, so we have you know, so we have these three picks and they're all quote unquote, like legitimate picks, however you want to define that. But like teams would see those and be like, oh, this is going to result in a, in a first round draft pick in a year that is better than the 2022 draft at some point. Yeah. So um, even if it's not like the next year's draft is going to be amazing. Um, it's a little hard to project out the year after that, but that one's probably going to be somewhere between 22 and 23. Um, so there's so- a couple solid classes coming up. Um, and, you know, we saw the Jeremy Grant deal where uh, he got traded for that Milwaukee pick that we have. So it's, you know, the first are becoming increasingly more valuable. That's why they don't move as freely. And when you do move them, they have these protections. Um, you also, see, we'll, the, sorry, go ahead. Go ahead. Um, saying like, also the big thing is like a bunch of teams the last two years have basically mm-hmm. like traded all their firsts. So like mm-hmm. now you're looking at like three or four teams holding the concentration of like damn near let's say half the league's first in their hands because like everybody clears out their first to get a star, and then like the um the bad teams hoard the picks. So first are getting a premium now because not a lot of teams have first to move. Like if you think about it, how many teams in the league right now could like make a star trade? The Lakers can't. Um, I'm just going to go down the list of teams and just like, just got like, how many teams can like really make a star trade right now? Dallas, like after next year, maybe. 
There's Denver teams that have that may, they may not have plus assets, but if they have all their own shit, like they can mortgage yeah. off future, like yeah, their future of like, drafting. A lot of people don't even have plus at like um their mm-hmm. own assets right now. Like you look at mm-hmm. the Lakers, don't have their own assets. The Clippers don't have their own assets. The Rockets don't have their own assets. Um, and Brooklyn like, doesn't obviously. Brooklyn doesn't obviously, and uh, Chicago traded a lot of their assets away. The Heat still have like assets tied up. The Bucks still have assets tied up. Sixers just traded away all their assets, and you look at the teams like Washington, who traded all their, who had their first protected for like five years out, so they can't trade it. Detroit did the same thing. Portland did the same thing. So like a lot of teams just have their first traded up, like traded out in protections, and like can't negotiate with them unless they unprotect their first first, and then go into like trading other first. Like hell, the Jazz traded all their first. That's why Donovan Mitchell's probably going to leave in a year because, like, they don't have anything to trade anymore. Yeah, if they're probably if they do end up moving Rudy, they're probably looking to replenish some of that. And like, if they move from Chicago, Chicago doesn't have anything to give them either. So, like, that's the thing. A lot of teams, their value is more tied up in younger players if they have any at all. Which, for yeah. like, the Bulls are a perfect example. Like, it'd be really hard for them to trade for Gobert without moving. Patrick Williams, Williams. because they don't have... I mean, they could do it. They just got to go further out for their first, but it's it's tough because you you might have to unprotect some of them. Yeah, like, you want to give up a 20... uh, What? Their first round pick is protected top four for the Magic next year. So, like, protected top four, protected top three in 2024, which means that they can trade their next first 2026 because Stephian rule. Yeah. Yeah, And then they also have, like, their... The Bulls also gave them uh, the twenty. They gave Spurs the twenty twenty five pick. So let's say the Bulls pick of raise twenty twenty three. They can't trade twenty twenty five, and then twenty twenty five is protected top ten, protected top eight um, for the next two years after that. So like, yeah, the Bulls can't trade picks like that. Like, yeah, and they're not unique in that regard. There's a lot of teams in that in that scenario. So what makes the Knicks situation interesting is. Uh, you know, most of the other teams that have tons of picks are very firmly in the like true rebuild, as so to speak, like Orlando, or sorry, not Orlando, um, Houston or OKC, where they have a mix of young players and a zillion picks. But the Knicks are trying to walk this fine line of compete, but they also have that. And that's important because we all know they're, you know, one of their one of their end goals is to eventually trade for a star. Um and one thing I want to talk about real quick, you know, the, the logic behind trading out ties. At first, I was really mad. Part of that was because of how everything went down with with the poor reporting and, you know, us thinking like, oh, we moved down, but we're in conversations with Detroit. And then if Darren falls to the Knicks, it's a done deal. He's going to be moved to Detroit for Ivy and we finally got our guy or whatever. And then that didn't happen and then we didn't know the deals of the pick and we thought like did we just pay a first to move off Kemba like we did move a first but we upgraded to a better first right so like it the way it reported really had me down bad during uh during the draft but just thinking about it now like this comes down to what what really had me pissed during the draft was i viewed them punting as disregarding draft and develop as a tool to find stars. And the more 
I thought about it, the more that wasn't, I, the more I reflected, the more I thought maybe that's not exactly the case for a couple of reasons. And one, uh, you know, is something you touched on in our piece we did on the Strickland about trading out that I'm happy we published at the last minute because it's really relevant now. Um, but like, can you talk through what you think the front office's logic was in terms of trading out purely from a like a player evaluation perspective? Because the whole thing is like, you know, like, sure, you know, you have your evaluation to players, but like, there's probably going to be someone from 11 to 20 who ends up being really good. Like, why not take a swing even if the odds are low? The action never ends at DraftKings Sportsbook, especially this summer. With tons of ways to bet on all your favorite sports, you can fuel your fandom and feel the heat of the season like never before. Plus, right now, DraftKings Sportsbook is giving new customers a risk-free bet up to $1,000. That's right. Make your first bet up to $1,000, and if it doesn't win, you'll get another shot to cash in. You can throw down on all the major action for baseball, golf, MMA, and more. Plus, with same-game parlays, spreads, money lines, over-unders, and props, your betting options feel endless. Best of all, DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable. You can deposit and withdraw your cash whenever you want. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code TBPN, make your first deposit, and get a risk-free bet up to $1,000. That's promo code TBPN, only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. I mean, I think the logic is basically like they aren't going to play and you just waste a rookie-scale contract. Like, why are we going to pay like $5 million to a player we won't play? What's the point of that for us? So we might as well just recoup value and get like picks that might be anywhere from like let's say fifteen to twenty-two. Yeah, and, like better three drafts. separate drafts, and that will likely be better than take eleven in a week draft where they won't play. Like they kicked the can on the road because like they weren't confident in anybody in this draft. And given who was taken, like you could be the biggest fan of Jalen Williams in the world. I mean, I was okay with it, whatever. But, like, ultimately, like, Jalen Williams is not playing on the team next year. Straight up, like, he's not playing. And that's something I think think a lot of of guys, including me, like, we kind of glossed over that, right? Like, we talked about it in the sense that, like, Johnny Davis and Jaden Ivey are probably the most ready guys in the league, but, like, are they going to be better basketball players next year than Quentin Grimes? No. Probably not, right? Like, Johnny Davis is has the defense like Grimes, but not the offense. Okay. And Ivy has the offense, but not the defense. defense. And they would, you know, they would definitely get their time to shine. But, like, there's – forget the vets. Like, just with Quickly and uh, and Grimes alone – there's a log jam, right? And and they're also competing with Deuce. And yeah, I know like a high pick has some level of cachet. Cachet, right? So that you can just kind of stroll on in and be entitled to some level of minutes, but at the same time, like it unless you're a top five pick, it's like Ivy, yeah. you're probably still not guaranteed it. Like we saw this with Obi, right? Obviously that was like the most egregious situation. So like the the fact is, like, it's going to be hard for these guys to get minutes and that's even if we do what all of us want which is clear out a lot of the vets for cap space and and whatever and stuff like that yeah, so but like they're never going to clear out everybody because ultimately this team wants to trade for a star and you need salary in the books so like 
the salary mm-hmm. needs to play. Like Fournier is going to get minutes next year, even if it's on the bench, just because like he needs to play. Yeah, it might like, not be thirty minutes, but like he'll get yeah. he'll get some minutes because yeah, like, he gets twenty three, twenty four. But like that's that's the reality of the situation. When you pay dudes, like they're entitled to a level of playing time because Just, you want to make sure, like you you want to protect your investment. You paid up like eight eight figures to this guy. You got to make sure, like he's playing to the eight figure level. So and that's and that's not saying that like you should do what Tibbs did and just go to the opposite end of the spectrum right that's just saying you have to balance it which is what we all really wanted for the most part like i think there's some knicks fans who really wanted like zero minutes for 48 and burks or whatever and and like whatever that's that's fine but like what we're asking for is just like more reasonable levels of like please don't play whoever is the starting vet like 39 minutes like he would do with alec burks all the time and shit like that um and it, it brings me to another point um, to kind of bring it to draft evaluation. So one thing that I I would say, I would probably say this is my biggest lesson learned in the last year, like this cycle and the last cycle. Um, something that friend of the pod, uh, Chuck from Chucking Darts, the Chucking Darts NBA Draft Podcast, at Chucking Darts on Twitter. Please follow him if you don't. One question that is central to his evaluations that he talks about on his pod and that he... um. He releases his his own like board with explanations and stuff right before the draft every year, and people will check it out. It's really good. And one question he asks is, "What do what does a player have to get playing time immediately on an NBA team?" And when he asks that, he's not talking about like the Thunder, where even guys who are not yet actually NBA players can get playing time because they're doing a full scorched earth tank. He's talking about like a reasonably bad team, like say the Pistons where they might be bad, but it's like Saban Lee was literally the highest scoring guard in the G league, higher than deuce. Killian was a bum, but it's still like a number eight pick. Sadiq Bay had a 50 point game. Cade is Cade. Like Stewart and Olenek are legitimately plus bigs already. Obviously Olenek is as a stretch. Hami Diallo as a, athletic bench wing is like not even bad so like what what are your rookies going to do to take minutes from those guys and i don't like i don't say get minutes to take minutes from those guys because that's really what it comes down to and if you can't answer that question easily uh, specifically with their offense because defense you can't like you can't be unless you're a center good defense alone is not going to get you minutes unless you're big really like exactly and so this is what i'm exactly i'm happy you predicted it because that's what i'm coming back to deuce has ridiculous defense and is a really good shooter and a pick and roll player but he's not so elite at anything on offense that he was going to take minutes from the guards who were pretty good already on the knicks on the knicks it's harder than most teams because because of the quality of the depth, even if we don't have the top end yeah, talent, like even even if Burks is like can't hit layups, he's still shooting forty percent from three, and he's still he's getting a ridiculous to the line. shooter. Like he's getting to the line at a point three six three clip. Like that's he hard. Go on mo- he could go on most. Kid. He could go on most teams and be one of their top three shooters. Like despite being a role player wing, like he's good at what he does. And like it is what it is. Is, an, is a top ten shooter in the league. Yeah, like Emmanuel is, quickly is literally one of the better like young assets. He's an extremely explosive scorer who's a ridiculous shooter, like who can shoot like, from anywhere. 
So like even even Kemba Walker in his waiting days was still shooting like I'm pretty sure 37 percent from three. Like right, right. So I'm, again, that's not to say that these guys like it's to say that Deuce deserved to get sank to the bottom of the ocean like he did. Like he should have got more minutes than he did. But it's hard to find it, especially with hard. like Fournier and Burks were healthy this year, and like that wasn't the plan. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the. I mean, like, the, the roster stuff with the Knicks is well chronicled, but, like, in general, like, I'm just saying, like, with rookies that are not on truly tanking picks who are not very clear projects, like, I'm talking, like, Shaden Sharp, like, or Usman Jiang, who's, eight, like, they're 18, you know, you, you completely understand that even if they hardly play, that's completely acceptable because the learning curve is that steep, right? right. Like... You look at some of the rookies who made impacts last year who were pretty awesome. And like whether it's Herb Jones or Zaire Williams and these guys, you know, they showed that you can make an impact as a rookie. But it's also no accident that Zaire turned 21 as a rookie and Herb Jones turned 23 as a rookie. Like when you're 18 or 19, it's a lot harder. So, um, you know, it, it's just even for 20 year olds like Deuce, it's it's tough out here, especially when you consider that deuce missed almost a year of high school with a football injury and and then had the pandemic and all that so i'm not really worried about deuce long term but it's just something that if i had to go back in time and recalculate my evaluations and projections i would have probably projected him to take longer to find his footing and as you take longer then that increases the chance that you know maybe it it happens towards the end of your contract or maybe even on your second contract, right? Depending on the situation. So also let's just get mm-hmm. this out the way. I'd said this when it happened. I was like, dude, it's not getting a second contract here. Like, because he had, he had to a go through quickly B, like they plus they signed Kemba. So like you had to go through Kemba quickly. And remember Kemba signed for two years. Right. It so doesn't like, even have to be Kemba. Just like yeah. Rose, whoever, Jalen Brunson, like whatever. Brunson, if they signed Brunson, Rokas is right there too. Like if Rokas ever decides he wants to come to the States and like the Knicks are like, yeah, we're down. Both parties agree. He has to fight out Rokas for minutes. Like I, I said, I was like, Brunson is the second round. Like, oh, uh, not Brunson. I'm thinking about Brunson. I'm sorry. Uh, <laughs> Deuce is the second round pick because ultimately speaking, they probably don't see him as more anything more than like just hey he's on the bench he's like fourteenth fifteenth man and you can you can be mad about that but at the same time it's like it's hard for him to crack minutes in rotation because a lot of the guard play is good and one other nuance I'd add is like you can like I still think Deuce's upside is really fucking high the problem is like other teams you can evaluate Deuce and say his upside is really high as a shot creator and defender. But because of he doesn't have that thing on offense to take minutes right now, he might not hit that upside till later. Let's just monitor him and wait and see if we could grab him for cheap on a second contract. And that's when a player might drop further than you expected, right? Like you look at some of the some of the guards who have gone higher, right? And you begin to see a little bit more of what can keep them on the floor on offense, right? Like look at obviously Chris Duarte is an example that's easy because he's much older, but like he is a really ridiculous shooter. He could be very mid at everything else, especially defense can't hold a candle to deuce, but it doesn't matter because he's a ridiculous shooter. You look at Trey Mann, right? Who the Knicks also wanted and nowhere near deuce on defense. Deuce is a much better passer as well, but Trey Mann 
can go to the hole and dunk on somebody and can create space at an elite level to get off his shot, which is as good as Deuce's, much easier than Deuce can create space to get off a shot. So he has the combo of skills to get some minutes. And I know the Thunder just hand out minutes like fucking free candy, but like on another team, he'd probably get some minimal level of rookie minutes too. So anyway, it's to take it back to the Knicks decision to trade out, like they clearly had a a line that they drew after Johnny Davis where they decided nobody else clears the bar of having what it takes to get minutes and develop and become that star player. Because that's the thing, like it's very rare. Like there's probably a steal somewhere in there, right? But like again, you have to get on the court and there might not be a guarantee that your first can get on the court. Take someone like Tari Eason, for example. Like, yes, we want Julius or I want Julius gone. You want Julius to stay. But either way, like at minimum, Tari would have to go through at least one pretty good power forward, probably two. And that's without including Cam. So Tari has some positional flexibility and he personally would have been my pick because to me, there's always some element of like, if there's upside, you should not be afraid to take a player and then kind of work out the fit later. Like you shouldn't need them to uh, yeah, get minutes right now, I guess. But um, uh, yo, can you, you hear me? I think you cut yep. out for a sec. Yeah. What was the last thing I said? Uh, I'm not sure. My nephew came in for a sec. So I'm sorry. Was I, was I talking about Tari yet? Yeah, you're talking about Tari. Okay, cool. Uh, I'm back. So anyway, my my whole point, I'll I'll let Paul worry about this, but uh, my whole point was like, even though I personally would have taken someone like Tari or Jalen and just taken the swing and then figure it out later, it's pretty defensible to me to say guys like Tari or Jalen Williams or even Jalen Duran don't have enough to stick on the floor for 15 minutes, 20 minutes a game early in their career. So we won't even be able to give them a chance to blossom into that star as low odds as it is. We'd rather trade down or trade out for a pick where it's the future, where we might have a roster more amenable to taking a a lower probability swing like that, or where there'll be more guys like Jaden Ivey or more guys like Keegan Murray or more guys like Benedict Matherin because the drafts are far superior and you might have more guys like that going into the teens. So, you know, it's it's really a defensible decision. And one thing I was talking to I was talking to you about before we hit record was like so many of us as Knicks fans who really pay attention to this have come to the place where we just trust who they pick, right? Like because they've hit pretty much every one of their guys, like high pick, low pick. Obi has turned out to be solid, if not more than solid. Quickly's great. Grimes is awesome. Sims is great. Rokas is great. So, like, do you believe them? Because they decided nobody nobody clears the bar this year. That's a talent evaluation. Just like saying, you know, Rokas is good. We're picking him. Deuce is good. We're picking him. Grimes is good. We're picking him. So, like... Do you think they just locked up Walt Perrin in a basement and made this decision without him? No. They made a decision that nobody cleared that bar and they'd rather either take their chances on 
trying to find somebody who clears that bar in a better draft or using these assets for something else entirely. So it's not so much punting on, it's not so much declining to use draft and develop as a tool. It's more saying, we're going to roll with the guys we have because we have a lot of them. And as far as new guys go, we're going to roll with guys in another year where we can get better players than the guys we can get this year. The only other guy who I who I could see us end up regretting passing on is AJ, but he slid to 16, so I'm pretty sure... That's medical. That's, that's medical, medical, right, because that's very far for someone with his size and his shooting to fall. So, um, you know, I hope he stays healthy in Atlanta. Um, he can play the bogey role for them, like baby version as he gets older. But uh, it's hard for me to get too mad about that if... 15 other teams passed on him probably because of medicals. Yeah, I mean, like, ultimately they felt that it, it wasn't that. Like, Walt Byrne, like, basically said, yeah, these guys aren't worth, like, blowing up the plan for you. Like, And ultimately, you know, the plan is to get Brunson or Guard X. We'll see what Yeah, happens. and the plan but, is also continue to play, like, the the kids we have, and I know like Tibbs fucks the plan sometimes, but like that's still the plan, right? Like the yeah. front office got these guys and they didn't trade them. That's part of the plan. They just have to get Tibbs in line. Yeah, and they that that's what they went. They went like it's either Uchiwali or one Mike when it comes to Walt Perrin. Either you think that he can find value all around the draft and he is great at drafting and he's a guru and he knows what he's doing, or he's an incompetent idiot and somehow like because he did not take Mark Williams or Och- um, Abaji or like uh, Tari Eason, that somehow he doesn't know what he's doing with his job. Like, which yeah. one is it? Because clearly his evaluations have been treated like gospel, and now that he makes his evaluations, now they're bad. Like, I don't know. Yeah, I like I. I'm not saying we have to like trust Walt Perrin and friends all. Right, like all without question. But he like, he has a track record, and I think yeah, he has a track record. And then particularly, like you know, it, it's very easy because we had such an awful season, and the draft is a is a thing of hope in general, right? That's just the nature of it. That you know, it, it's very easy to just be like, well, these are the guys who might help us or save us. But it doesn't have to be them. It could be the guys next year in a far superior draft. It could be the guys in the draft after that, it could be the guys on the roster right now, right? Like throughout all of the negotiations for Ivy, like we heard about, you know, like, what if we have to give up Obi? What if we have to give up quickly? Even Grimes, we were like, ah, like, man, we do it, but it'd be painful. And that's because Knicks fans know Grimes is not just your ordinary shooter who you find in the draft, like Kispert, Corey Kispert or Ochai Agbaji. He's way better than those guys at defense. And he has some dribbling upside. And he might be a better shooter than all those guys, too. So, like, those feelings that you had about these Knicks, the young Knicks, like, maybe some of that is homerism, but it's also because they're good. And if you just do that, like, that comparison for a lot of the players in this draft, like, gun to your head, three years, who's going to be better? Benedict Matherin, Quentin Grimes. Like, Jalen Williams, Quentin Grimes. Like, who do you think is going to be better, Tari Eason or Quentin Grimes? And like the fact that none of those is open and shut for the the new kid just shows you 
how good Quentin Grimes is, and he's like the worst of our young players. <coughs> I mean, you have Deuce, but like, I mean, like, I'll like Deuce in his own who, right like, is really good. We think of like in the rotation, he's probably <laughs> yeah, the worst exactly, exactly. So it's you know, it's it, it's made me come around a little bit on what they did. Um, a lot of people hit me up, like our editor in chief, Alex Alex Wolf. He yeah, Alex he was, was on the, yeah, Alex he, was a little. No, no. What I was going to say is I hit him up and I was like, yo, I'll get you my post-draft stuff or whatever this weekend. I need a couple of days to process it before I write stuff down. And he was like, yeah, man, yo, I'm so sorry. And I was like, what What do you mean? And he was like, I'm so sorry because you put in all this work on all these dudes and we didn't take any of them. And at first it did, like, I did want a lot of these guys in the Knicks. And, you know, I still do. But, like, I enjoy the process and I enjoy, like, you don't do this much stuff if you don't enjoy the process and enjoy watching you know what happens to these players in different teams not just the Knicks so I'm not really tripping because I'm going to do the same thing for 2023 and we might get one of those players and they might be even better so it's not really a problem for me the big outstanding question to me that is pretty much the theme of this Knicks team going forward right it's like how do you get how do you get Tibbs in line with the plan? Because if you, there is, if you think about it, like there very much is a plan. Like we can talk a little bit about Brunson and all that, but like draft and develop and compete now at the same time is really in play for us. Like it should be actually very easy. Um, Tibbs is making it a little harder than it has to be by being a dipshit about minutes. But like, we all know that because our young players are at the point in their careers where they're actually really good right now, that if you play them and you play the vets we have, whoever's left, right? Like it's probably consolidated to Brunson. That's, you know, that's not a top three seed, but it's a solid competitive team well, that I... has not given up its flexibility to develop through young guys, to develop through future picks or to trade future picks for another really good player. So they're in a really good place and they haven't punted on draft and develop as a tool, which is what was my initial gut reaction to the draft. Um, they just, it's unfortunate. Like as you have, as you acquire assets and young players, the bar to newer players playing gets higher. If you hit on those other, those first young players. So it's, it's, it's really tough out here. Like you even see it with some of the bad teams this year, like, like the Kings or the Rockets. It's like, oh, what happens if one of those teams gets Jaden Ivey? Oh, well, like that, you know, I guess he'll come off the bench and, you know, they'll just figure it out. Like, like yeah. When you when you hit hard. on young players <laughs> at a high clip, I'm going to remember, like, the Knicks have basically had, like, two first-round picks the last, like, few years. Like, mm-hmm. what, 2020, two first-round picks. 2021, two first-round picks. 2022, a lot of picks. 2023, two first-round picks, likely, minimum. So, when you have all those players and you're hitting them like in the second round and you're hitting them like late first, second lotto, like it's a lot of picks. And when like at that point it turns into you drafting for need because you can't do BPA, which is like how people try to operate and say like, Oh, the draft for talent. But like, and even with need, and even with need, it becomes tough. Cause if you think about it, like the Knicks really decided we're drafting for talent still. Right. Which like obviously the need versus BPA is kind of like a false dichotomy, but like that's the whole thing. They were like, we could draft for need, but we don't want to draft a player who's that much worse just because they're a quote unquote need because they won't 
even though they have the thing we need, they're so deficient in everything else that they won't play. So instead, we're not going to draft anybody. That's what they decided. Yeah, like, I think ultimately you have to be honest with the roster and be like, yeah, a lot of the young players can play. So, like, it's hard to add other young players unless you're getting rid of everybody, but that's not happening. Right. And the people who, like, want to tank and they're like, oh, you're messing up the Wem- on the Wemby odds. Like, do you we're really think Wemby. this? We're not getting like, Wemby. We're not getting Wemby. Like, this team These was teams, never. You, IQ, OB dropped a 40 piece. IQ had a 30 point triple double. RJ Barrett, like, did not sink despite. 30 usage, which is a feat for a 22-year-old. Like, I don't care what his efficiency Grimes, was. So, like, Grimes is literally, like, putting up 20. Like, he's giving you 20 and 6 threes. Like, his, Grimes' first start was 27 points and 6 threes. Le- uh, 7 threes. 7 threes. Yeah, 7 threes. So, like, this team wasn't going to be bad if they just decided to bottom out and do nothing but a youth movement. Like, it was never going to happen. So, it's either, like, you can't say draft and develop and then be like, well, since they're not drafting somebody new, it means that they're not they're not adhering to draft and develop. No, they still are. It's just they want to give the guys they drafted already more runway and like and less of a fight to get minutes. Yeah, and then next year, like we we went over the pick protections earlier, right? And you know it's unlikely that some of those convey next year, but you still have those as assets. So say you know next year there is four or five Jaden Ivy level players. And, you have the assets. and four or five Matherin level players, right? Like, you can go get them if you want. Like, you can trade up for them. Um, you can attach seconds. You can attach young players. You can do all the stuff they were considering doing with Ivy. You can do that next year. And it's weird. At my initial reaction was like, well, that's a lot harder to do next year because there's so many. There's it's so be- so much of a better draft that there's more reason for teams to be like no i'm not going to give up the pick but we saw the converse this year which is like there's only one Jaden ivy and then there was a drop off after that so detroit was that much more thirsty to hold on to the pick so really like it come it, it'll cost a lot either way whether it's a good draft and a lot of teams willing to play ball or a bad draft where you have to deal with one or two teams instead of a bunch of teams so that drive could drive the price up so th- you know they have the assets to do that if they choose, if Walt Perrin decides there's a guy or guys who we really want. Um, you know, Johnny Davis is an example. Like, he's someone they liked, but they weren't going to spend. He, they didn't like him enough to spend to move up for him. So there's probably going to be more guys who are like that, but there's also going to be more guys like Ivy who they're like, no, we'll actually spend. Like, there's just the Thompson twins. There's Keontae George, who's going to Baylor. There's... Derek Whitehead, who's going to Duke, like these, there's Nick Smith, who's going to Alabama. These guys are all Ivy level or better. It's insane. And I'm missing a bunch of guys. And we don't even, that's not even including potential guys who are going to pop next year. Like how many sophomores did we see this year? Absolutely kill it, right? Like Keegan, Ivy, Johnny, Matherin. Like there's going to be sophomores next year, like Turquavion Smith, who are really probably going to be ridiculous in their own right so next year is going to be stacked so if they want to dip into that after they've cleared a runway for minutes like you said they can do that if they decided no our guys are still chefing and they're better than ever are we going to hold on to these picks because they're not conveying they can do that and they still have their own pick next year and dallas's pick next year so um there's there's really a whole lot of flexibility and they haven't really punted on any 
team building tool. So, you know, I'm I'm but feeling. They, but they use seconds to trade Kemba, bro. Even yeah, they I don't have like that. I, I don't like, like that. That's one thing I disagree I'm, with. Exactly. I'm gonna. I'm, no, gonna I'm with you. I'm with you on that. I'm with you. Like four seconds for Kemba. Like yes, that's a lot. But also, who gives a shit? Like it's very easy. They will get back four seconds after they make all the moves for consolidation. I guarantee it. Yeah, for folks, sell, who, for, folks, for folks who don't know what Tyrese means, like we're probably not done dealing, right? Because not o- not only because of maybe wanting a little bit more cap space to sign Jalen Brunson, but just in general to clear some runway for the the younger players to play. Like it's very easy to just get seconds, get as throw-ins in these deals when you're essentially giving teams productive players for cheap to get them yeah. off your books. Like, what's probably going to happen is the Knicks are going to start salary cutting, which is, like, they're not going to dump Nerlens Noel, but they'll trade Nerlens Noel $9.2 million for somebody who's worth, like, $6.2 million. So, like, Ken Birch from the, from the Raptors. Like, okay. All right, Toronto, we'll give you an upgrade um, on center. You give us Ken Birch, and you give us a second. There's one second back right there. Burks is probably going to give you a second, two seconds, or a, a protected late first. Like... Burks is a 40% shooter with size. Yeah, he might give you one of those, like, we were talking earlier about those, like, fake firsts. Yeah. Where it's, like, top 25 protected or top 16 protected for a team that is clearly, you know, going to make the playoffs. Yeah, like, say Boston says, oh, we'll give you a first, but it's top 16 protected. And if it doesn't convey next year, it turns into second rounders the year after. Guess what? You're getting two second rounders for that, like, because it's not going to convey. So... There's there's a lot of ways to get second. So giving up the the picks to get rid of Kemba is really more of a transaction cost than anything, yeah. and it's kind of annoying. But like, and the picks they gave up, like the what? Let's say they gave up the uh, the Heat Mavericks pick um, in 2023, the second round pick, that second round pick. They gave up the their own second round pick, and they gave up the Jazz second round pick in 2023. And I would argue. Uh, they kept the Pistons pick, so which means that's probably going to be the best pick in the second round for of the assets that they gave up. And in twenty twenty four, they gave up the their own second round pick, but they still have the Pistons pick in twenty twenty four and the Jazz pick in twenty twenty four. And that Jazz pick in twenty twenty four, the second round pick, is probably going to be really good because Donovan Mitchell and Rudy Gobert will probably not be on the team. So ultimately, they traded their lower second round picks to get off Kemba Walker will probably regain most of the value, if not all the value, after they make their salary cutting moves. And then they'll probably get more value after they trade. Like, if they get Brunson, I assume the Mavericks are going to be like, hey, we'll give you two second-round picks to make it a T- to give us a TPE for, like, $12.5 million. So that way we don't lose everything for Jalen Brunson. So, like, ultimately... It's opportunity cost, but you net the opportunity back. And unless you're one of the people who was like, well, that's four more seconds we could have saved, then at that point, they're like, I can't help you. Because, like, it, it's second-round picks, bro. Like, do yeah. not hold off the second-round picks like they're the plague. They're not using four second-round picks next year. Yeah, I, I think it might have been Macri who said, like, second-round picks are essentially the cost of doing business these days. And yeah. it's kind of true. It's just, like, what you pay for coming to the bargaining table. And even with, the sh- with, with someone like... Kemba, who it's like from a on he's a he's a dead val he's a dead player in terms of contributions. He's just gonna get bought out. Like, sure. Not, not to mention but, the Pistons did this last year with DeAndre Jordan. 
so we knew what the cost of business was. Like DeAndre Jordan had what a ten million dollar contract, mm-hmm. and it was four second round picks to get off of him. So we know what their cost of doing business is, and they had the cap space, and we needed the cap space. Like to get pick thirty, um, last year. So Santi Aldama, it cost three second round picks. Mm-hmm. Like second round picks are pretty pretty like they they are very much like hey we'll throw these in just to like make you happy isaiah todd cost four second round picks kevin porter jr cost four second four round second picks, round and that picks. was with his like off the court issues like that was the reason he cost four second round picks after yes. dropping to 30 so like don't look too deeply into like oh four second round picks was needed to get this deal done because ultimately like that's just how business works in the league. So yeah, and and part of that gets to another kind of theme that I have taken away from these Jalen Brunson discussions and what happened on trade night, which is like I think a lot, of, and I don't mean this as like a oh psh, you don't know what's going on loser casuals, but like <laughs> I do, <laughs> you do because <laughs> you're a hater, <laughs> but like the how should I say this? the perception of things like picks and salaries among the more casual NBA fans is always a little bit behind where it is in real life, right? Like this is what we're talking about. Four second round picks sounds like a lot, but if you really examine who else has cost four second round picks, it's like off the court toxic guy and Isaiah Todd and moving DeAndre Jordan. So it's not like some unprecedented thing. And you can also see that like, Brock Adler has literally received seconds for doing nothing. Like, just... We we got moving. Denzel Valentine last year, and it cost us... And, like, we got a second just for taking on Denzel Valentine. Just for taking him on for, like, five minutes. Yeah, literally, it was, like, five minutes. Welcome, Denzel Valentine. Thank you, Denzel Valentine. And we got a second-round pick for that. Yeah, so... And then the same thing is true of salaries, right? Like, I, I saw you tweeting... I think it was you tweeting about, like, even if Brunson makes whatever 25 million 20, a year he can make 27.5 million dollars a year and he would be the 17th highest paid point guard in the league like he'd make less money than kyle lowry people do not understand how much point guards get paid in this league and you could say oh well you know russ's figures in there and um john wall's figures in there but like then you look at next year john's gonna get his max garland's gonna get his max DeJounte Murray is a few years away from getting his max. So is Lonzo Ball. Like, good point guard play, more than any other position, runs you a premium because realistically, like, good point guard play. It's hard to replace. It's hard to replace. Like, you can get another wing. Like, you look at wings and, like, we say that they're the most valuable position. Sure, like, we could agree with that. But, like, the cost of wings is a lot cheaper than the cost of guards. Like, the 15th highest paid wing in the league right now is like Bojan Bogdanovic, and that's eighteen million dollars. Right, the fact that Kyle Lowry, yeah, like the fact that Kyle Lowry costs ten million more, like that should tell you how valuable people see um, point guard play in and the lead league. lead ball handling. Like wings are the way I would phrase it is this: like wings are like the X factor in whether you can truly contend in a lot of ways. But point but guards are like but, the floor. but your car can't run without a point guard. Like and, and there's less of them. And it's one of the reasons why guys like Tyus Jones 
you know, do like deservedly get a lot of credit because or not credit, but like a lot of chatter because they're one of those guys who can make your car run, but won't cost you an exorbitant amount. So like, I understand why people are clamoring, not for the Knicks necessarily. I just mean like around the league in general, because yeah. he he's just good enough to make your car run without breaking your bank. Like mostly ball handlers do. But when you're talking about someone like Jalen Brunson, whose production is pretty much in line with all of these guys that you've talked about, like DeJounte Murray or Darius Garland, like his, you can use different metrics and different ones of those guys will come out on top. And of course, they're all different ages. Like, how old is Murray? Like 25? Murray, Murray is 26. Murray, 26. Murray is older than Jalen Brunson, by the way. Okay, so he's a little older than Brunson, who's also 26. Obviously, Darius Garland is, is 22. younger. He's 22. IQ is 22. So, like, you know, there's a range of ages for these guys. But, like, when you can lead ball handle and score, like, if you didn't pay $20 million for Jalen Brunson, that would be a actually a phenomenal incredible contract it would literally based be on his production yeah it's like, like the jante murray right now in a lot of ways who's you know he's making 17 this year and 18 next year i think or something markel like fultz got 17 million dollars just to chill on the bench he can't shoot three i mean markel fultz is solid but this is what i'm saying like like he can't solid point guard who can't shoot on super losing team is seventeen million dollars? Derek White. Derek White, fantastic like, defender, questionable shooter. Not Kirby really Rogier breaking down got ninety-six million dollars just because like, he had, like D'Angelo Russell got four one seventeen. Like, what has Jamal Murray done since he signed his contract? Turn into Superman in the bubble and then exactly leak, leak his own nudes. Exactly, De'Aaron Fox <laughs> put up a bunch of numbers. While playing for the 11th seed and got five years off to $63 million. Shea Gilgis Alexander has done fuck all in this league and somehow got a max contract for slashing 50, 40, 80 before the Thunder shut him down. Like, think about what Anthony Simons might just get just for existing and being a good point guard while Dane was hurt. Yeah, he's going to make at least 20 mil probably. Exactly. Malcolm Brockton. Malcolm Brockton is hurt got an extension, and they're trying to move him because they extended him. Like At 22, guards, which is like not a crazy amount. Yeah, like point guards get paid more than any other position in the league. And I would say and I would say Brunson has um I mean this might this is probably a topic for another day, but he's really good right now and he also has upside. Um yeah. both upside because of his skill set and because his role is gonna change. Yeah, like, give Brunson, like, let's say he goes from, like, 12 shots to 17, and he takes a lot more threes. Like, that's a player that could probably flirt with, like, 22, 23 points per game, especially if he's taking threes like that, and he's getting more usage, which means that he's going to start going to the line more. Like, people don't understand that, like, yeah, Brunson has another spike to make. Like, similar to Forever Elite, where, like, Forever Elite was like, oh, I take more shots. And, like, the playmaker's already there with Brunson compared to where it was with Fred Bleed. Like, Fred Bleed had to learn how to be a point guard. Brunson really didn't need to. And we got to start, like, understanding the fact that, like, even though some dude is, like, 26, that doesn't mean, like, they're, like, immediately capped. Like, Brunson incrementally got playing time. 
he incrementally got a bigger role, and he's incrementally got more usage, and he's excelled at every level since he's done that. So, I'm trying to pull something up right now out of curiosity. Let's see here. Yeah, like, and again, so, so Fred Van Vliet got like four eighty five, but that was a three plus one, which means that he's opting out after next year, and he's probably going to get paid more than Jalen Brunson will. Like, that's the league, man. League pays point guards. Where is it? Dang it. Um. Yeah, so in his time on the Knicks per 36 minutes, Kemba had 14 shots per 36 minutes. That's what Brunson had. And that's what Brunson had playing next to Luka. On the Knicks, Brunson is going to have more than 14 shots, even He's if gonna... RJ and Julius are still here. That's just yeah. how it is. So, like, his production, he's going to, like, we we saw Kemba play. Like, there were times where he was shooting, sure. But there was also times where he was just, like, breathing air and doing nothing. And, and he like, still got up 14 yeah. shots per 36. So, Jalen is probably going to be closer to 16 or 17. In terms Actually, of, yeah, right, right, right. Well, not points. I, I mean, like, field goal no, attempts no, no. Yeah, per 36. Right, 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 right. But, like, yeah, like, literally, there's going to be shots available because Julius needs to lose some shots. RJ probably is going to lose some shots. And that's okay because Jalen Brunson is going to make it work. You'll probably see, like, also, like, Fournier might be out of, like, if Fournier is out of the starting lineup and Grimes is just there, like, shooting instead. You're probably going to see Grimes, like, in the Reggie Blocker role. He takes, like, six or seven threes a game and, like, sub two, two points per game. Like... Right. There are shots to go around for Brunson if Brunson comes, especially because he can be handling the ball a lot more. And yeah, like. And the thing I'm most excited for in terms of Brunson's, there's two things I'm really excited for for his impact on our own young players, um, particularly uh, RJ and Mitchell Robinson, who I'm assuming is going to be back at this point. Um, Mitch gets. The best pick and roll scorer in the NBA by statistics, which is a hell of a stat. He, I, I know he's so happy. <laughs> he's gonna be so happy. <laughs> right, like uh, well, that's that's one thing that I'm actually really interested in because we haven't really seen Brunson with a big time roller because Dallas just does five out so much, right? Yeah, with, like, with Kleber or whatever. So, like he he very well may not be great at finding Mitch for the oops in the beginning. Or maybe think, he will be. I don't know. I think like, he was solid. Like, he was solid with um Powell from what I saw. With who? With um, Dwight Powell. Like, I thought oh, he was I forgot solid about Powell. Role. That's true. Like, Powell's screens are, like, top tier, mm. and Mitch's screens are not. But, like, even still, like, Mitch's gravity on as a roller, like, he's going to draw, like, two, three heads just for rolling. Like, And, and Brunson's going to command attention because he scores so well from the in the mid-range, so all you gotta do is really just toss it up there for Mitch, and he'll go get it. Yeah. So, yeah, that I'm super excited for, and then you you mentioned it, RJ. RJ hasn't, like, we see a lot of a lot of the times when Tibbs has schemes for RJ, he creates artificial ways for him to like, fake attack a moving defense. Like, he, he's never truly attacking a bent defense, because the defenses know there's nobody else to worry about. So, but they'll do the pistol action, and it'll put some level of variety into the play, and RJ will get the ball with the head of steam going down the middle like a fastball. And he makes it work because he's really good. But like to truly get the ball versus a bent defense, that didn't happen that much last year. Um, Julius wasn't bending the defense that much. Um, the way he was he, last year. He, right, the way he was during his most improved year. And even then, in the most improved year, um, like 
it really yeah. came from just like him pump faking on like pull up jumpers and then like passing out to RJ in the corner. But, like, right. Brunson, Brunson's going to get two feet in the paint. Right. He's going right. to get two feet in the paint and then pass out to like an open shooter and then the floor would be tilted for Brunson and then RJ's actually going to be able to like attack a bad defense. And, and people don't realize how good RJ is going to be at that. He's like, like that is his number one skill is slashing. That's his bread and butter. Yeah. It's his bread and butter. Like his slashing, his cutting are his best skills by far, and he's going to be able to do it now because the floor is going to be bent for him for the first time since ever. Canada, since maybe no, not since Canada. No, I, Literally, no, ever. no, no. Who was okay, in Canada? Never mind, never mind. He didn't have the other good Canadian. Right, right, play. I, I forgot. It I was forgot. just Nikhil Alexander Walker. I, for, I forgot. I was like thinking like maybe like U eighteen, but actually no, not even U eighteen because like. He was literally the U18 team. Exactly. But, like, but yeah, like my point is, like, 2024 Olympics, though, he cooking. Shane Murray, he cooking. But Oh, that's true. Murray was there. But, Ar- again, RJ was the guy at that time, so. Yeah, like, that's really it. It's just, like, you, like, you've never, like, for me, who's still skeptical of RJ Barrett as, like, an actual, like, you know. An actual real-life air-breathing RJ Barrett yeah. hater. <laughs> in the flesh. No, like I'm still skeptical about like with the efficiency and everything like that. And even I can admit, like Brunson is literally going to make RJ Barrett so much better just because RJ Barrett literally gets to feast off of his looks, off of his gravity. It helps Julius too, because Julius again does not need to play make. He does not need to be the number one option. We don't need to ask him to be LeBron. Like Brunson helps everybody because there's somebody who could assume the usage that this team has been leaning. Somebody to assume. Like I'm going to leave you time. to enjoy your fantasy world where Julius is still here for Brunson because you sound like you're in a happy place, and I don't want to ruin that. <laughs> Bro, he showed up to that game. He did the recruiting. You know he's coming. That's cool. That's good for him. Recruit all you want, playboy. He's going to be in a happy place, just not the garden. That's all. Maybe a Charlotte. I'm sure he'll Obi. get along great with Steve Clifford. Buddy, Obi getting moved before him, and you know it. Anyway, uh, we'll see. We'll see. Either way, though, like like you said, Brunson is going to. You know, it's just what happens when you have a solid point guard, and then like obviously, quickly is going to get the lion's share of um backup of minutes. backup point guard minutes. We hope. Um, we hope, and quickly he can play we'll, with Brunson. Well, so that's the other thing. Like, I don't, I don't want to get into this because I'm going to save it for a piece I'm writing. But I actually, I'm not as pessimistic as other people on a quick on, on Tibbs being reluctant to play Brunson and quickly together. What do you think about that? Like, do you think, think are you like, like, good luck Prez? Like you you could think that for now, but good luck. Like, how do you feel about the odds of that getting more, getting like 10 minutes a game of that? I mean, I think people are just like really, really scared for whatever reason. I mean, the deterrent is Rose, right? It really is just like, it's really like if Rose is on the team, maybe not. But if Rose isn't on the team, I don't see why Brunson and Quickly don't play at least like five to seven minutes together. Maybe not ten. Maybe ten's a little bit much because like you still want to get Grimes in there and you still want to get like uh, mm-hmm. like RJ minutes and stuff like that. Sure, but like five to seven minutes of them playing together, I think it's, I think it's feasible. Absolutely. I think the short version of my pitch is like I think the reason that Tibbs didn't want to. Well, you know what? I won't even get into it, but like. I think having a penetrating guard like Brunson will, you know, he'll, he's obviously comfortable playing guys like Brunson and then quickly just ascending to be clearly better than the other guys. I don't think is like he was quietly better than the other guys. Like, oh, like, let's look at the impact metrics and, you know, all that on off and all that stuff. But like by the end of the season, it wasn't quietly better than them. It was loudly better than them. He was like 
orchestrating offenses and like defeating the heat on his own and shit like that like and bending defenses just with his right. passing vision and stuff Ta- like that. And, and critically for Tibbs he was like taking layups so yeah like, I think like towards the end of the season what's he what is his distribution at like 28.3 or something yeah it went up to like mid 20s like, I don't think it was 28 like, but like something. it was something high like he was yeah, taking like a good 25. amount of shots at his rim and like mm-hmm. that's all you wanted to see him do even if he shoots like 60 61 percent but like he was taking I mean them. that'd be fantastic yeah, like 60, 61 from Seth for quickly, especially with his shooting and like his improved mid-range game. Like for any is, player who's like below six five, shooting like l- l- like sixty or sixty one percent at the rim is like pretty good. That, pretty and you look at Brunson who shoots like seventy percent. Well, Brunson, it's just like he has his shot charts are just like random made up numbers that don't make sense. I don't. Like, it's basically sorcery. It's, 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 it's like four moves that he does in like succession, and you're just like, how the fuck did you pull that off? That's and really his, just, his touch is just like level 99. Like he's code. a career 72% at the rim shooter. Like what are we doing? <laughs> he's like my height, bro. <laughs> Literally. He's 6'1", and he's doing this stuff. Like across the board too, like elite shooter everywhere. That, everywhere. He's the, one of the few people in the league who has like, a Chris Middleton type shot chart where it's just like green, 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 green. Every section of the court is green. And, you know, one thing that I am curious is what you alluded to before is like, if they actually have him do what they, I don't think you can possibly tell, you don't want to tell Jalen Brunson, yo, stop shooting mid range jump shots. Cause he's amazing at them. And that's, you got to tell him to shoot. You got to tell him to launch that thing. Cause if you he starts tell him like, be comfortable launching that thing. That's not to say you don't have to shoot mid-range shots, but be comfortable launching that thing. Yeah, because 3.2 for a shooter of his quality is not good enough. But if he takes that number to, like, 5 or 6... Which isn't, like, a crazy crazy. number. It's just going from low to medium, really. Because he's also going to get, probably, when he penetrates more, he'll probably get fouled more as well, I think. So, like, man, there's just so much room for improvement with his shot chart, even if it's still, like, in the budding stages, you know? Like, Mm -hmm. he's just... There's just so much room here because, like, his shot shots are already hyper efficient. Even if he loses a bit of efficiency, it's worth it. Yeah. Because yeah. the game is going to open up so much of his game. Yeah, and it'll open up a lot of stuff for the rest of the team as well. Like, you just, yeah, I'm, I'm not, there's a lot of ways. He, he could keep his shot chart the same and be fine. He could change his shot chart and be even better. So, like, either way, I wouldn't be tripping. But he's, he's going to be really good for our young players. Um, the key to me is just with all of this is Tibbs can't abandon. He can't continue and the front office cannot continue to let him ignore the kids who are productive. You can ignore the kids who aren't productive. I don't ignore, get as ignore mad Cam about Reddish. that. You can ignore Cam Reddish. It's okay. You can ignore, you can ignore Cam okay. Reddish, but like even Cam was productive, honestly, like. Yeah, he was still 57 Small shooting. sample shot- size. His true shooting was over. It was like five games or whatever. So, like, small sample size. But you take a lot of his dumbass mid range shots out. And of course, he's going to be more efficient. Like, he's a pretty good shooter and he's a giant person. So, he'll be good at the rim. So, it's not that crazy to imagine. So, just like play. And, and this is why, like, like, you alluded to it. Schwinn says it all the time. Like, we should probably trade Rose just because. That's the big safety blanket for Tibbs as far as ball handlers go. And you want, you do want quickly to get those minutes and both with Brunson and as backup point guard. And if he has to compete with shooting guards and Derrick Rose, 
even if he's better than all of them, you still don't guarantee that Tibbs is going to play him, unfortunately. So that's where you have to take away some of the security blankets, right? Which is probably Rose, probably one of Fournier or Burks, um, if not both, but at least one of them. And I'm confident one of them will go. And it's just Rose where I'm like, Rose to me, you know, you mentioned cost cutting and clearing more salary. Rose is a super easy way to do that because he's so productive and he's well liked by a lot of teams. Literally like send him to Chicago for Kobe Mm -hmm. White in a second. And like, first of all, Chicago will easily sign up for that, like 10 out of 10. That'd be great for them. That'd be a great fit. Exactly. They don't have a Derrick Rose. Exactly. They need that too. And like you would save seven point million off the cap. You say yeah, seven million off the cap. Like they have moves to cut salary, so like that's not a problem, and it benefits both teams because like hey, maybe Kobe White's an upside play. Like you could throw Kobe White and Cam Reddish into like the failed upside trade package, where like you could you could send it to like some team and get like a decent starter back. Or yeah, or you know we were talking about like draft moves. You could package the Dallas twenty three pick. And Kobe White or Cam Reddish, well, at that point, Cam will presumably be extended or some or traded. So maybe not Cam, yeah. but you can trade Kobe and that pick for like a higher pick to a team, you know, that has a lot of players and still wants to draft, but doesn't mind moving down a couple spots, right? Like we saw yeah. this year. So there's a lot of things you could do. And, uh, you know, it definitely... The job isn't done in terms of preparing this team to execute their draft and development. They have to clear the deck a little bit and they have to, you know, we have to ensure that what we heard from Tibbs through Berman at the end of the season about like, oh, being more open about the young guys, like we have to make sure that's not bullshit, basically. Um, You think it's whatever about Randall. I think Randall has to go. So like what the point is, Regardless of who's here or not, like there's a there's a pathway to even if Randall's here, there's still a pathway to draft and develop and play Obi. You just have to give him minutes at the five and acknowledge that, like, hey, nobody's saying this has to be your playoff identity. We just want to blitz a team for eight minutes, so yeah. let's do that. And all of a sudden, Obi's minutes go from you know, 14 a game to 22 a game or 24 a game or something like that. So, um, not the, to mention, like, you don't really need Sims for more than, like, 10 minutes. Like, that's the whole point of Sims. Like, yeah. the rotation should really just be, like, Mitch, Randall, Obi, and, like, two of those three should be on the court at all times. But, like, Sims is there to give them dudes a breather. That's okay. Yeah. Like, and if, if Randall's traded for another forward who's you know, less entitled to minutes, whether it's, I'm not saying it's them, but someone like them, like a Harrison Barnes type or a Gordon Hayward type, then like, obviously then it becomes much, much easier because there's less stigma against saying like, hey, older person, you're going to be our veteran guy off the bench, just like Rose and Obi's going to start and get 28 minutes a game or whatever. So like, there's lots of ways forward for them to check all the boxes. And the, the fact that, they did what they did on draft day and came out of the draft with a not insignificant bump in their treasure chest of assets and have not really sacrificed anything in the way of development of the players they have. That's that's a win. Like There's no new upside play on the team, but you still have 
existing upside plays on the team. And you have quite a number of them, which is really, if you take one thing away from this pod is like between RJ, OB, IQ, to a lesser extent, Grimes and Rokas, like they're all different levels of upside plays, but you have five. That's like a not insignificant. Oh, and Mitch. Um, So that's really six plays which is a lot. That's like short of a true tanking team like OKC. That's pretty much the most you can realistically handle without sucking. So Yeah, and the Knicks um, won't suck next year. Like they might be mediocre. Right. They might win like thirty eight games, but they won't suck next year. I don't even like for I them think, to win thirty seven, thirty eight, like it would have to be like a bunch of shit goes wrong again. That's yeah, like basically like Randall and RJ would have to suck for the majority of the year like they did last year. Like Brunson would have to be an abject failure. Um, like Burks have to be starting at point guard again. Like it's hard for me to say that. Oh yeah, this team's gonna be worse than last year. Because kids are just gonna get better. That's what kids do. Like even internal development alone. Like we saw the yeah. difference between Obi and play, IQ. O- like, if they play Obi more alone, that literally help them. So. Yeah, Mitch is gonna come into this. I won't. I won't say guaranteed come into the season in shape, but because he's not coming off injury, I'm assuming it's gonna be a little easier for him to. Uh come in yeah. in better shape i hope so if he's getting a contract and he's not injured um but you know we'll see we'll see what happens he's looking slim out here on the gram so he's i think he's doing his thing um <laughs> so yeah that's the takeaway is like look i know a lot of y'all were looking forward to a new shiny toy i was too there's guys i love who we could have taken aj griffin tari Eason, jalen williams but malachi brown nah not a shiny toy that's like a dull dirty dusty whack toy that's like right. ball and cup like a whack toy that nobody cares about <laughs> Damn, what are you, where did he go the spurs uh yeah he went to the spurs my yeah. spurs yeah good luck with that oh yeah speaking of my spurs um anybody saying trade for Dejounte murray needs to be locked up because what do you make They're... of that first of all before you get to your uh why Dejounte murray's overrated spiel like the rumor is they're asking three firsts is that a lot to you or not a lot to you? Dude, it's a lot. Like, okay, okay. Kidding? I just want to make sure because we just spent this whole time talking about like how much more valuable first rounders are. Because they didn't specify like three unprotected firsts, right? It just said three firsts, right? It said a true holiday package. So just a really huge package. Yeah. So like you're talking about like five years, like three three firsts and probably like multiple like two picks swaps. and swaps and and then so, whatever the salary and stuff. Yeah, like. Fuck that. I'm sorry. I just don't... Yeah, I just don't think he... Because that's essentially for a team like the Knicks. Like, you've built up this giant treasure chest, and then... I don't know. I don't like the idea. I know he's not getting a max this year or next year because he's on a a good, cheap deal, but, like, he... I don't know, man. Like, he's... Like, you have to bet on him, like, a non-shooter. Like, you'd have to bank on him being able to change your franchise. He's not doing that. Because like, he's, he's gonna get not, a true max. He's not gonna get this Jalen Brunson deal that's like twenty five. He, yeah, he's gonna get the true max right before like, the cap spike. Right, and he might wait it out for the cap spike, especially if he's like gonna stay in San Antonio and keep putting up numbers. Because as somebody who lives in San Antonio and watches the team, a lot of the team, a lot of the reason why he's putting up the numbers like that is because nobody else in his team can dribble. Like nobody, like maybe Keldon on a good day, but like. That team isn't dribbling, so he's basically like their first, second, and third option on offense, especially since the Rosen left. Like you saw what happened, like you saw his impact with the Rosen and without the Rosen. Like, and you can say, yeah, part of that is partial development, but that part of that is also the fact that like 
Nobody else on that team is capable of the ball in their hands. Maybe Trey Jones on a like yeah, Trey Jones had a good day. But like he's not doing that with another star who commands usage next to him. He's not doing that with somebody like Trey Young. And if he and if it's like him and Trey Young together, what is he doing off ball? He can't shoot. Like I feel like with off ball value, you need to be able to shoot, and he doesn't provide that. I yeah. feel like ultimately, yeah, like ultimately, like he's not putting up nine assists, and like he can maybe give you two steals again, sure. And the defense will probably get better because less offensive load. But like he's not giving you nine assists again when he's not handling the ball. 35 minutes a game. And what is DeJounte Murray if not like a worse Marcus Smart if he just can't be like the usage the usage fiend that he is now? Yeah. Yeah, I'm with you. I don't like to me, and I know you, you don't like De'Aaron Fox either, but one difference between Murray and Fox to me is the sheer volume of points that someone like Fox can put up is higher than Murray, I think. Yeah, it um, is. It is. Obviously, think... Murray's way better on defense, so, like, that's, you know, whatever. But The DeJounte like... Murray's career high is 33 points. Like That's, that's crazy. Like, DeJounte Murray, for all his, like, Despite talent... Despite him having the ball yeah. that much. Like, he is not a scorer. He is not a scorer, unless you just give him, like, 22 shots and tell him go. And yeah, he, has to be having, he has to be having a good night to get to that. There's going to be a disconnect between his skills and his role and his salary. It is almost inevitable, and I just don't want the Knicks to A, be on the paycheck end of that, and B, pay to get on the paycheck end of that. That's the thing. Like I'd rather have Brunson, who's a better scorer, for just money and save those picks for yeah. either a draft gamble or another, like a real star gamble. Yeah, and, like literally, just keep it moving. If you trade for Dejounte Murray, that's your team. Yeah, I'm sorry, Dejounte Murray as the best player on your team. We've seen it. It's San Antonio. It's not that good. And he's gonna get paid so much that like it really is your team. Brunson, on the other hand, like people are like, oh my god, like twenty five, twenty six million dollars. Like you can say, you know, it could be Donovan Mitchell. It could be someone we don't know yet. Like whoever. <laughs> Kevin Durant's on the trade, probably going to be the trade blocker. Right, week. right. Like, you can say, like, hey, we have Jalen Brunson team that has superstar who's getting $40 million. Here's a guy who's going to get $27 million. We'll, you know, that'll be the centerpiece salary-wise of the deal. That's a lot harder when it's $40 million, right? Yeah, That's why like, trading Russell Westbrook is so hard. Or even, say the Bucks wanted to trade, like, Drew Holiday. Even that would be hard, just not because he's not good or anything but it's just harder to trade those guys who just have that much money yeah like i just don't think you do this for a fringe all-star and that would be on dejounte marias he is a fringe all-star and nothing wrong with being a fringe all-star but like he isn't somebody who could like carry a team carry a franchise be the guy he's not that type of person like he is a dreadful offensive player like like this was his best season his true shooting was the 53 percent he does not get to the line. Career true shooting, 51.5%. Like, he is a bad, bad offensive player. And he's doing this with usage. If he doesn't have the usage, what is he? Like you said, like, he's like prize bait, Marcus Smart. I don't know. 
which is a fire player for me to watch, but I would want to watch that player like, on another team. He's so team, fun to watch. I love right. I love watching the Spurs because he's just a show, but like That's why it's so weird for me to like be lukewarm on him. I'm like his just obviously he doesn't shoot, but like his handling is just so fire that like uh and he has some crazy extension finishes. He's just my type of aesthetic player, but he's just lanky and long and he looks like uh Inspector Gadget, but like I'm, I'm good on him. I let I, let me yeah. enjoy him his game from afar. I'll be good yeah. on that. <laughs> he 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 is a fantasy cheat code though. Like I he will. is a fantasy cheat code. That, um, that's why I, I haven't had him on my team yet, but I'm scheming on it. But yo, th- we're at the hour and a half mark, so I think this is a good place to let folks go. I hope this uh this pod has been a soothing antidote to the screaming and pontificating and gesticulating of the live stream if you saw that or if you didn't the all caps uh doom and gloom sentiment of twitter which you know tends to happen on twitter i'm guilty of it at times um so yeah you know we'll see what happens from here i didn't want to get into the guys like trevor keels and john montero yet because i don't know if they're gonna still be on the team in a month so uh Let's uh, you know, let's see what happens, and if summer league comes around and they're doing their thing in summer league, then I'll talk about those guys because they're both really fun in their own right and and interesting from a player evaluation perspective as well. But that's for another episode. So Tyrese, thanks for joining and uh, bringing us your hot takes from San Antonio. You want to tell the <laughs> folks where they can find you? Uh, you can find me at Oscar underscore NBA. Um... <laughs> <laughs> nah, uh, London's theory on Twitter. Uh, we're on the Jalen Brunson celebration phase right now, and you're counting on the days until he signs on the dotted line. And that day will be a day where I tell everybody I was right because I said a hundred million dollars was the benchmark, and people thought I was crazy. I am not. Yeah, it it never that never really made sense. like he's just. I know people are like, oh, nepotism or whatever, and I know the pods ended, so we don't have to go on another tangent, but like. His production is pretty firmly in line with like, all right, hundred million. So, not a not a hot not a hot contract, not a hot take. He's a hooper. He's coming home. It's gonna be great. Good for our young players. Knicks still moving, still shaking. Uh, keep your keep your faith, good people. Um, there's a lot more to come. Direct all your anger and ire and tips still, and we'll see you soon.